Positive Randomosity Podcast because I have one of my oldest and dearest friends with me on the phone right now. Jaquel has been somebody I have known for, what is it, Jaquel, almost close to over 10 years now? Uh, I think it's longer than 10 years, actually. That's what I started thinking about. I knew it, had, it was like 10 years or more that when we were thinking about this. And I, you know, you guys, I've always told you how you don't have to be, you know, with your friends or be local with your best friends or anything like that. And to be very honest, this woman here, plus my other friend Heather, they are my oldest and closest. They're the ones I would have to say would be my most epitome of best friends because they have been with me through thick and thin, through pretty much everything. And I'm trying to think. I know the first time we really became friends was actually through Live Journal, if you believe it. Very much of a flash to the past. Yeah, I think I was about 16 at the time. <laughs> it's, I know, and I was like in my early 20s now that I think about it. I was in my 20s when that happened with Live Journal and everything. Yep. And then, of course, you know, there was the whole role play thing, and we ended up doing that whole CSI one with Heather, and there was one other person who was working it with us. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had literally, like, wanted to go back and look for those, but I couldn't remember some of the names on it, because I know Live Journal keeps their journals for, like, forever. But I just, I started thinking about that, I'm like, all the way back to doing that kind of stuff. But we've always done writing and everything else, which... Remind me to tell you about my whole Marvler Minute thing because I've kind of extended her into the DC universe now and oh. it's getting kind of interesting, but that's a tale for another podcast. But, you know, since I've got you on the phone, you tell everybody here as well what you think true friendship means because of the fact that, you know, we've known each other for over 10 years. Our friendship has never had to go unspoken or, you know, yeah, we've had our issues where we haven't been able to talk or something like that's happened, but we've gotten through it. So, I mean, for you, what do you think true friendship, like, really means to somebody and how it works with positivity? Um, so, I have kind of a unique perspective on friendship. I always have, um, mainly because most of my closest friends are people that I have met through the internet. Um, I'm not a super extroverted social kind of person, so I've always been really shy with people in real life, but um, when I was a teenager I got really involved in online stuff and so I started role playing and writing and I made a lot of amazing friends that way um, so I've had to adjust the sort of normal standards of friendship because I can't see my best friend every day um, I have to rely on email and messaging and Skype and well and the other thing we always like to look at is people are saying oh that's not the normal but you're like what is normal there's no true. true definition of normal and being over creative that's not a problem like I said on Facebook I have a massively over creative brain and that's who I am and I'm actually getting to the point where I'm proud to admit it and yeah. it, and that's one thing you have to just always do about yourself you have to be proud of that part of you that makes you unique that makes you so random and you know you've seen how long it's taken me to get adjusted to fully <laughs> accepting myself and everything you like I said you and Heather have been the ones that have been right there with me as I've been having to go through my phases as I like to put it which I did mention about a few of them on the first podcast where they call me Lise but I will digress about that <laughs> um, but essentially what friendship comes down to for me is just um being there for people, knowing that they're there for you, doesn't matter if you go weeks between talking or months or even years, um, just having that connection 
and uh, knowing that even if it has been a long time and you haven't talked for a while, that that person's still going to be there if you need them. I couldn't put it better myself. I think that's another reason why you and I always really kind of clicked and connected because of everything. And of course, we're both fellow Ravenclaw. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) But we we both decided for you guys that we were going to basically choose this as a... We could go into all sorts of different fandoms. I mean, her and I both love Star Wars. We love movies. We love books. We love start you know there's so many ones we love but I think so many I think we decided that the biggest one that we wanted to focus on today especially since I decided to go see a few movies and you know did some catch-ups with the new ones that came out and I know she's seen these too we decided that we're gonna go into the epic Marvel versus DC aspects what we love about each one of them what we think that could be a little changed about it because we both saw Wonder Woman which we both absolutely love that will be our first topic of discussion and then what we're going to kind of do is blend from DC blend from DC and then we're going to kind of talk about some of DC's TV shows like the Arrowverse, Flashverse, Legends of Tomorrow which is now starting to get some plays, Supergirl which is one of our all-time favorites especially since this one here watched the two seasons on a night where she couldn't sleep and then of course wondering about the new things that the CW is going to be coming out with because we already know that they're CW owned by Warner Brothers they're pretty much going to extend the universe farther on with what they have coming through and then of course we get to see how much we like are we a big more Marvel fan are we more of a DC fan what is like the big consensus with the two of us so first order of business is Wonder Woman as Wonder you- Woman. <laughs> yes. As you guys are aware, Wonder Woman just came out in the theaters and it stars Gal Gadot as the illustrious Amazonian herself. And to be very honest, I feel like this has got to be in terms of the EU movie universe that they're doing. I find that this movie well surpassed Dawn of Justice just because of the fact that it basically really kind of tuned in to more of Diana's past and kind of had a little more lighthearted feel than that deeper, grittier. I don't even know what I could call it for Dawn of Justice. For some reason, it just seemed like it was a little too long, and it just seemed a little too gritty for me. You know, and a lot of the, the DC movies are that way, um, in my opinion. They're all very, <laughs> they're, they're all very dark, whereas Marvel sort of embraces a little bit more of the lighthearted side of things. That is very true. But you have to admit, though, now that if you start... Well, and that is true. You want to take Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 as more of the lighthearted, which we will get into that. But honestly, I really was very impressed with not only how they did tell Diana's backstory, but what really surprised me is that they actually kind of merged a little bit of her two backstories from like Silver and Golden Age into like the New 52. But I think they were more kind of going with the New 52 than anything, basing her as a Greek god or goddess of sorts, or a demigod, being that she was the daughter of Zeus. Right. And I honestly, I was pretty surprised by it, especially her, I mean, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the movie yet, her display of power as she had to, as she had to fight Ares. Oh my gosh, that was so amazing. I, they really did a phenomenal job on the special effects. And you have to admit that ILM has done so much more, whether it be ILM or any parent company that also does any kind of computer generated type of, you know, things that happen in movies like fight scenes and things like that best way to kind of compare it is if you think back to one of the first ones that ever did it which was blade not blade um the second blade blade 2 if you remember there was that one scene between blade and the princess and her helper when they were doing the whole fight scene that was so choppy and so just 
you look at it now and you're like god they actually did that yeah. but back then for us if we think about it that was that was like the cutting edge technology yeah, that was all the rage then but it's, yeah it's come so far since then it has i mean and then of course another one you could always use as a comparison is when you start looking at rogue one when it first came out in the theaters because you think about it they were taking some footage from the old movies honestly i had to do a double take because when i first saw rogue one i literally could not believe it i'm like there's no way that's the actor that played grandma of tarkin right I'm, I'm like there's <laughs> no way the fact that they were able to do the facial for the for him and just make it look so realistic I literally was staring at it, and I'm like, no, wait, that's not the actor. No, he passed away yeah, years ago. insane. I had to stare at it for a long time. And then, of course, I mean, and God rest Carrie. Carrie, so Carrie, we miss you. But when they did Carrie at the end of it for the one scene with Princess Leia when she says hope, I was even amazed at how they were able to regress her back to her younger years. I mean, we already know they did it with Tony in Civil War when they had to show the replay of his memories. But just it's it's blown me away on how well they're doing it and the scenes they did with Wonder Woman fighting, you were just sitting on the edge of your seat and just watching, going, "Oh my God, did Diana really do that?" <laughs> and the cast, you have to admit, the overall casting that they had for that movie was just a hundred percent perfect. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, having Robin Wright playing, you know, her her aunt who basically taught her the ropes. Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. Period. You know, you just cannot really see it as anything different she's wonder woman from this point on don't yeah, even she will always be wonder woman now. we can't look, well linda carter yes but you have to admit linda was a little linda's role was just a little too corny now that we think about it back in the 70s the way they did it but yeah i mean it, it worked for what they were trying to achieve at the time but yeah it definitely doesn't play as well to audiences in more modern times oh exactly everybody looks at it and it's just like really just no why why <laughs> But, yeah, no, so we had Gal Gadot, we had Robin Wright, we ended up having Chris Pine, which I was very impressed at the role he took. I was incredibly impressed with how he played that role. Um, and everything I've seen from interviews while they were doing press for the, for the film, he, he really embraced um, that character and what the role entailed, and uh, that, was, that was really... No, yes, and I, I admit, like, you, a lot of people always kind of question Chris Pine's acting ability, but you know what, I don't one bit. He is really come into his own as an A-list actor, not only with doing Wonder Woman, but with having the new, the new Star Trek ones that have been coming out with the three different ones. Mm -hmm. You know, all of his acting movies, like, there's the Jack Reacher one he did for himself, there's all these different roles that he's been able to ply himself with not only just with science fiction to action he's even done some romantic comedies which i've been kind of surprised about like i look at it i'm like wait that's chris pine what <laughs> so he does he is definitely an a-list actor in my opinion he definitely has that fluidity that way to be able to change how he looks in that role and be able to become that particular role he really does give his all and i definitely have to agree with that he is just an amazing and just the way they kind of hinted at the end with how much he did how much he did love diana it was perfect it was just the best way to show that love is the biggest thing of all that can defeat you know paranoia darkness anger death you know love will get rid of that darkness just as diana realized at the very end of the movie especially mm -hmm. when it had to come from him <laughs> 
I, oh, I, I, if, and if you had the chance to see it again on the fly, how many times do you, if you could not have to worry about paying for it, how many more times would you go to see that movie? Me, I would have to say another good five or six times because it was, yeah, it would be that I good. Was, I was going to say probably at least another five times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and the special thing is, is, is with the fact that she is like the woman empowerment for us now, especially for younger girls. I mean, you look at the movie now, young or old. Diana Prince, aka Wonder Woman, has been the one female lead character in the DC universe, besides Kara, that has just always been a focus for us. You know, we always we always wanted to be Wonder Woman when we were growing up, no matter what. So now being able to have a new sense of her for the next generation is just incredibly awesome. I just know yeah. it's it's been so exciting for me to get to see um, this this whole new generation experiencing her and, and finding that power in themselves that, that she's given previous generations. Exactly. And, you know, we're, as much as I'm a little hesitant about the new Justice League movie, I'm really hoping that they will not let us down about it. Now, I know that Gal's not going to let us down with her role as Wonder Woman. No. We've already seen how it is. Batfleck, you know, I mean, yes, he wasn't terrible as Batman, but at the same time, the way they did Dawn of Justice with it being way too gritty was kind of, I don't know, I I guess I was kind of like an mm, kind of deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I I actually liked Ben Affleck's portrayal of, uh, of Batman. I thought he did a good job. I just think the movie as a whole really brought everything else down like if we had seen him in a different film i feel like it would have been a totally different situation but mm -hmm. there was there was too gritty there was way too much going on way too much um, martha going on you mean <laughs> it's just they they were trying to cram so many other storylines into that that film that it just it really brought everything down there was, there was it, too it, much going on you couldn't attach any emotional weight to anything because there were five other things going on at the same time. No, I agree with you. Just the whole idea with, you know, the whole Clark and Lois thing, the whole Bruce and Superman thing, the whole Batman Wonder Woman trying to get Wonder Woman to come out of the shadows thing. You know, exactly. it's just, and then of course the Superman Doomsday thing. Yeah, and then the Superman Doomsday thing at the end of the movie where he sacrifices his own life. And it's just like, Clark, really, why? Why? And Cavill, why? <laughs> Well, and, and, and not even that, but, like, not only did they have the death of Superman, but they couldn't even just, like, leave it at that. They already started hinting about Superman coming back at the very end of the movie, and it's like, guys, just chill. Exactly. It's like, come on, guys, we're not... It's like you're trying to combine way too much and then trying to really give us the focus of, like, the comics, and it's like... No, DC, you need to just take it easy, follow a bit like how Marvel has it planned out. Now, exactly, and they've, <laughs> they've taken the time and they've built this up over all these movies and it's, and it's worked a lot better for them and I, I wish DC would sort of take a page out of their book in that respect. I And I agree with you 110%. I mean, I have to admit though, the other one, things I'm a little kind of worried about, but I guess it's because we're going to, when we get into the TV portion of DC, which we already know DC has a full grasp on the television aspect of it with Warner yes. Brothers Television, I'm a little kind of concerned about seeing the other members of the Justice League and hoping that they don't trash their backstories and origins when it comes up, such as Flash. I mean, as much as I know that 
you know, the the one the new person who's going to be playing Barry Allen and that Ezra Miller. I mean, he does seem like he is. He does have a good idea of like the lightheartedness of Barry from the comics. You know, he's got to have that lightheartedness, but. I don't know, at the same time, he just, I guess it's because I got so used to Grant Gustin, it's just kind of like, no, you can't have another person playing Barry Allen, you gotta have Grant, Grant's got that sweet, cute, dorky, Barry Allen-esque of him, you just- Well, and see, I, I agree with you, I absolutely love Grant as Barry, I think he does a great job, um, but he wouldn't work in the movie, because as we've discussed, DC movies are a whole different animal than the DC TV shows. That is correct. It's just... And, and Grant, it, with his adorable little face and his happiness and his dorkiness, he would not fit in that movie. It would feel way too out of place. Uh, um, yeah. And I feel like Ezra is going to do a much better job of balancing that light and that darkness. I And I definitely have to admit that. The only one that kind of scares me now, but I think it might be a look for the better... <clears throat> is going to be Aquaman. Yeah, we'll we'll just have to wait and see on that one. I'm, I mean, looks wise, I love the casting. Like, mm-hmm. um, he looks amazing in his costume and all the promo photos that we've seen. Exactly. Um, like, or even just that little snippet that we saw in DOJ. I mean, yes. Jason Momoa, he he is a powerhouse. He always has been. When you look at his roles with Game of Thrones, there are any of his movies that he's done. When you look at him, he just has that aura about him when it comes to playing things like that now would he be able to play the you know the prince of atlantis or the king of atlantis yes but it's just like when we look at the comics you see him with the short hair the green spandex the orange top but honestly you know looking at the grittier side i love the costume i don't you know i'm not disputing that with you that's pretty amazing i just don't want to see him turn from just what we've seen under the like the previews for the for our justice league where he does kind of act like a dick (laughs) Yeah, and uh, we'll, like I said, we'll have to, I think, kind of just wait and see on that one, but I am going to remain optimistic, because that is what I always do with these movies. Mm-hmm. I don't mean you have to, because the way they come out, and the thing that, that's the thing that gets me, we see these great trailers, and these great teaser trailers, and we're just like building the, they're building the hype, and building the hype, and building the hype, it's exactly what they did with DOJ. You know, they built the hype so much on that movie, and then it just completely, it's like, here comes on the roller coaster, we're building the hype, we're building the hype, we're building the hype, and then, boom, right down into the gutters, and we're, we were just sitting there, we're like, wait, that's it? What? Well, you know what I found kind of hilarious is that, like, uh, Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, they hyped those movies up so much, and they both tanked. Mm-mm. And then we have Wonder Woman, that they barely advertised at all, and it's been a knockout at the box office. Like, everybody loves it, and I just... Even an example, Captain America himself, Chris Evans, even congratulated the Wonder Woman film on Twitter because of their smash they did opening weekend in the box office. Yeah. I mean, just to see the head of one of Marvel's biggest groupings of Evans, who is an absolute sweetheart on Twitter, don't get me wrong, I love that guy to death. I follow him with everything he does, even if he is very political. But just the fact when I watched, actually congratulate on how well Wonder Woman did, I was just like, see, now that is the most humble guy that I've ever met in terms of things like that, being willing to congratulate other films and know exactly about that, because he'll do the films he wants to do. Yeah, and to me, that's one of the reasons why I think he's such a perfect fit for the 
for Captain America because, like, he totally embodies everything about Steve Rogers, even he in does. his actual life. Like, he is Captain America. <laughs> What's so funny is, like, when Trump, you know, when the whole election was happening with Trump, with Trump and Clinton, I know he's always been pro-Hillary because he's really, like, got that embodiment. And then when Trump got into office, you know, I've never seen him taunt somebody as much as he does Trump. <laughs> And it's just like, it's just, it makes me think of him trying, of Steve Rogers trying to taunt Tony Stark. Yes. And I'm just like, Chris, why do you have to be so perfect? Why are you just so perf? Seriously, it makes me want to, it makes me want to go into like my blog for Callie and just start wanting to grab any Steve Rogers I can and come up with some kind of like a good role play to get Callie off my brain. Because in my brain, Callie's like, okay, I want to role play with the Rogers now. <laughs> but. Oh, we all love Steve. Yes, we all love Steve. Oh, and looking at me with my whole car now, that's almost Captain America-esque. I found little coasters for inside the car. I've got my ring that mom got me for Christmas. And that's how, or my birthday, actually. She had got me a men's ring, but I couldn't wear it, so I put it on a chain, and I have it hanging off my rearview mirror. So I've got the Captain America ring hanging there, too. <laughs> oh, I had to. I had to make it the S.H.I.E.L.D. SUV. I've got my S.H.I.E.L.D. sticker. I've got my Deadpool sticker. I've got the Avengers logos on the two side windows. Everything. I've, uh, I've got my Wonder Woman sticker on the back of my car. I, I actually, I had my Wonder Woman, I got, I had, oh, and I didn't tell you, I actually did the Wonder Woman, um, DC Collector's box. Honestly, I wasn't as impressed with it, because the fact that the Marvel, the Marvel Collector box is, give, gives you so much more stuff than the <laughs> DC one ever did. I mean, granted, don't get me wrong, I got some really awesome DC ones, I got the DC Wonder Woman and the Doctor, Doctor Poison. I got a pair of socks, which they were too small for me, so I gave them to Aubrey. And then I had, like, this really awesome pin and a, the iron-on patches, which, oh, I had a whole bunch of patches for my new bag, and would you believe that I lost them. They were in between my bags trying to get ready to bring them home, and now I can't find where the hell they went. I, I would believe that, because uh, that definitely sounds like something you would do. I know, right? Well, no, it, I, and then you know what's funny is I think it happened after the whole situation with mom and the whole lamp business when mm -hmm. the lamp accidentally broke and I had that one purse and I got really, I felt really bad and upset and I threw that bag out. I almost started wondering if they might have been in the back. <laughs> and now I'm just I kicking, and I, now I'm just kicking myself and I'm like, son of a bitch. But my new bag is, but I, I did buy a shield sticker for my new bag. So I've got that one on there. So, and that's the only one I have on it. It looks nice and I got Star-Lord hanging from me. So that's perfect. <laughs> now, since we're kind of getting out of the movie situation, we're going to kind of merge into our, how much we like our DC Extended Universe CW shows, or as I like to call it, the DC CW. <laughs> about it now all the shows that the cw has are all dc related we've got arrow which has been out since 2012 then it got into the flash now supergirl and now legends tomorrow's become a big one on there now now i'm hearing that they are coming up with some new uh, some definite new ones coming out in the next year or two and i 100 support that i mean i know the cw has its issues they you know their audience is mainly teenage girls and they often play to that demographic with um overly complicated relationship drama and things like that but overall i think they've done an amazing job with the series that they have so far no and i definitely agree with you especially with the fact that i know that i there was one that they actually have set up they actually were planning on actually doing shazam coming up soon 
They actually are. Really? Yes, they are actually thinking about plotting to have Shazam have his own show as well. Okay. And that's what really surprised the heck out of me. But I, you know what? They do. You know, DC is starting to realize that they have some good plays with this, and they really need to do that. And uh, I think the the DC TV universe has a much better grasp on the balance between darkness and lightness. Um, I mean, we've got Arrow, which is pretty consistently dark, and we've got Supergirl, which is pretty consistently light. But then we've got Flash, which is kind of in the middle, and um, I think they all kind of complement each other really well. Exactly. And I love the fact that when you actually have the crossover episodes with Arrow's verse versus Flash verse, I love the way it's like the mix of the light and dark for Barry and Oliver. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. Just, oh my gosh, I love getting to see Barry and Oliver together. And it's I love it because Barry Oliver actually lightens up when he's around Barry. He does. And it's 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 nice to get to see that side of him. And okay, so here's my next question with the whole Arrowverse. Are you how do you feel with the fact that they're taking it now with Arrow with Arrow and Overwatch, aka Elicity, versus the comics of how it's always been with Ollie and Dinah, aka Green Arrow and Black Canary? Okay, so I am a diehard uh, Ollie and Dinah shipper. I they are my favorite couple in the comics. I think they're amazing. Um, and I, you know, I love Felicity. I love her character too. But um, yeah, I'm always, I'm always going to be <laughs> Team Dinah. No, no, I agree with you. I mean, for me, the biggest thing with mine was is I've always been an Ollie Dinah shipper, especially with even the games. The games still hold true to it. Mm-hmm. I act. If you believe, I actually went and found an entire video on YouTube that was for Injustice Two where it was the entire cutscenes, like, all put together into one, like, a whole movie. And I could not stop watching it since I clicked it. And it's so funny how, like, the games in the TV-verse come up with so much better plot lines than even the movie-verse have been doing right now. Like I agree, yeah. <laughs> I just sat there watching it, and I was just like, I loved the dynamic with Ollie and Dinah. Barry, and of course, t- trying to work with Barry and Hal, and then, of course, the voice actors that they chose for Injustice 2 was too perfect. Oh you my s- gosh, Alan Tudyk as, as Oliver was amazing. Yes, Alan Tudyk as Oliver was amazing. The person who has always done Batman for any of the games and, of course, the animated series, he did the voice of Bruce in that game, for both games. And then one of the most in one of the most known actors for the '80s who did the voice for Superman in that, he I could not believe when I pulled that up I could not believe who actually voiced him. I'm actually, You're gonna have to tell me because I don't actually know that off the top. Of no, my no, head. no, no. I'm actually getting that up right now so I can tell you. <laughs> I just could not believe it. I mean, honestly, like, and then Vanessa Marshall, she had a great handle on it. She's the one who did the voice of Black Canary. Mm-hmm. Laura Bailey, aka Mrs. Hawkeye, did the voice of Supergirl. She was Kara. I was, okay. I could not believe that. And then, of course, with Captain Cold, you will never believe who did Captain Cold. Who did Captain Cold? Pony Boy Curtis. Really? C. Thomas Howell actually did the voice of Snart. Of Snart. I was in, I, I was floored well before anybody else at the fact <laughs> that it was him. I just could not get over I'm like, 
wait a minute, Ponyboy Curtis is snart? What? <laughs> and then I also realized, uh, I'm trying to think here, the, when I was looking through all of these ones here, I hadn't heard of Tasia Valencia, but her vo- who played did Poison Ivy, but her voice just sounded very familiar. And of course, the one I was talking about for Batman, Kevin Conroy, love him, could not get over the fact that he did the um, Batman. I was just incredibly excited. And Tara Strong, one of our most loved voice Love actors, Tara. Harley Quinn. Yes. She did an amazing Mr. J. And then, <laughs> oh, I, I I, don't know why. It's just, I love the fact that the one who plays Harley in Suicide Squad, she does a great job. Don't get me wrong. I love Margot her. Margot Robbie, yeah. Yes, Margot Robbie's perfect. Now, do you remember an actor by the name of George Newbern? He played uh, the husband to the daughter on Father of the Bride. Oh, Brian McKenzie. He is the one who voices Superman in Injustice 2. Oh my gosh. If you really go back and if you find that video on YouTube, listen to it. You will not, you'll start listening and you'll be like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Yeah, I'm going to have to go back because I have seen the Father of the Bride movie so many times. <laughs> I, and then of course, the one thing I really, I never realized and I now started to think about it. Remember how I told you, Tony, or how Steven actually got me into like watching some of the DC stuff? He had Doom and I was watching mm-hmm. that because Nathan Fillion did the voice of Hal in that one. Yes. The same person who did the voice of one, of Diana in, in, just, in Doom also did just Injustice. It was, okay. it was um, Susan Eisenberg. And she's been well-known for a lot of different, like, voiceovers. And the biggest one was is that she did voice Wonder Woman constantly. She did it for Injustice Gods Among Us. She did it for the Wonder Woman animated TV series that was out in 2013. She actually, like, most of her things that I'm seeing here on IMDb is all Justice League Wonder Woman related. So just like Kevin Conroy's been the voice of Batman, she's been the voice of Wonder Woman. So it's kind of nice to see the ones that we've always heard in terms of playing those roles were perfect. Now, yeah. the one, now the one I will tell you that I absolutely loved that was so close to the Clown Prince of Crime's original voice himself, Richard Epcar did the voice of the Joker in the, in the Injustice game. He was almost, almost spot on with the idea of the laugh of Mark Hamill. Yeah. But Mark Hamill will always be the Clown Prince of Crime. He is. Of he always has just had that voice, especially back to back to the whole Flash verse. He actually does play a, a sadistic, evil character, which mm-hmm. made me almost wish. And I'm like, come on, do the laugh. I'll, that's why I was saying when I saw it, because he was just being so diabolical. And I'm like, do the Joker laugh. Come on, Mark, do the Joker laugh, please. Just do the Joker laugh. You're so close. And you're right there. Just do it. You know, Martin probably wanted to do it too. Oh, and I'm sure he did. You know, Mark is just Mark is Mark is just Mark. He's Mark you, is just pure sunshine, and I love him. Exactly. You just you cannot get over. He he'll be so straightforward, but yet he'll be so dorky. I mean, come on, he didn't he did Cockknocker in Kevin Smith's movies. So <laughs> yeah. it's just. He's got his full spectrum now, and I love it. <laughs> but, okay, so if you had to choose between Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, or Legends, how would you rate them in in that order, like one through five? Okay, well, so I have to admit I haven't actually seen Legends other than the crossover episodes yet. It's in my list, but I haven't quite made it there yet. 
So that one's going to be on the bottom just by default because I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, but Supergirl is definitely my top. I am in love with Supergirl. I could talk about Supergirl for days on end. Um, I cry routinely in most of the episodes because I'm a big baby. Hey, I actually got a little... I almost got slightly teary, but I was all squealing when I saw for episode 2, season 2.1 and 2.2 with oh, the whole yeah, Kal-El and Zora. Yes, that was perfect. Especially the one scene that got me like, oh my god, it's from the comics, is when I saw him pick up Kara and it was from the scene of the death of Supergirl where he right. held her like that. I'm just like, really DC? I know you're trying to keep a somewhat lighthearted opinion about this, but why? Why bring us the death of Supergirl in episode 2.2? <laughs> Now, the, now, with the person they picked for Superman, you have I, your thoughts. Me, I'm impressed with who they chose. They were trying to get so many of the originals to come back to do it, but, you know, it's nice to have a fresh face. Alright, so, I was really wary first, because while I have never seen Teen Wolf, I'm very familiar with Tyler's character on Teen Wolf, just from, like, role-playing mm-hmm. um, and things like that, and so I knew he was a very terse and very grumpy and serious character, and I was like... No, like, we don't want another terse, grumpy Superman. We already have that in the, in the DC movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really worried. But then he showed up, and he's amazing. And honest to God, of all the Supermans out there, I, I would say he's probably my favorite. He just, he embodies sunshine and lightness. And he's so dorky and lovable. And he makes me so, like, I just grin ear to ear whenever he's on the screen. And I would... Matter- what he's doing and i will agree with you on that because the fact case in point episode 2.1 when him and Kara are talking about being their their other counterparts and how she was stuck and he was trying to give her all of that you know almost like big brotherly advice trying to tell her what she had to do and saying all i know is that being Kara is just as important as being supergirl and the look of dejectedness on her face and he just gives her this sweet brotherly smile and he goes come here and he kisses her on the on the temple and i'm just like clark why why are you having to be just like this sweet older brother figure to her right now and it's driving me insane no i love whenever he gives her advice i love whenever he's in the same room with cat grant and she gets all fangirly on him oh yes the best line is when he walks away with her looks back at jimmy and Kara, and he goes swipe and winks i'm like (laughs) i'm like clark i was like clark really or, or when he showed up and he and Jimmy had that dorky secret handshake, like, it just, I love everything about it. Yes, that was very good. And then the whole fact that, I'm trying to think, then they, the, okay, so back to the whole lovey, like, brother, family kind of deal. The, like, watching how protective he was of Kara with, with John, and that's another thing, the Martian Manhunter, I applaud Supergirl for getting the Martian Manhunter down so incredibly perfect. Oh I my rem- gosh, that's one of my favorite storylines in the whole show. I remember listening to Kevin Smith talking about it because he actually did direct two episodes of Supergirl, which I thought was awesome. Right. He did the same thing with The Flash. But knowing the fact that, remembering and thinking back to how he was going, you know, basically fanboying all over John Jones, <laughs> and I, I'm thinking to myself, eh, I haven't watched it, I haven't, you know, needed to watch it. Well, getting one to watch in the flash and then i started thinking I'm like well maybe i should give supergirl a try big mistake being up for over only sleeping two hours just to watch the whole season right and then getting to see him i'm flipping out and i even get on twitter and i'm telling kevin oh my god kevin you were right john jones what the fuck 
I, I like I had no words. All I could say was I understand your words by what the fuck this is brilliant and gorgeous. I'm like they just did John so perfect. I no, and I agree, and I will. T- and I know you and I have seen the entire two seasons, but for those who haven't, spoilers, spoilers, as River, my favorite River song would say, <laughs> the fact with Monel and Kara, I, she, I, that's one of the many reasons I love Kara. She was willing to give up her one true love, which we know Clark would never be able to do. Right. If Clark had to give up Lois, he couldn't do it just look at Injustice and Injustice 2. Yeah. No way in hell Clark would ever be able to give up Lois like that. No. And the fact that, you know, he wanted to be there for Kara so much, but he know that he could he knew that he really couldn't. And she's just telling him, Go back to Lois. Hold her. Tell her you love her. Blah blah blah. And it's just like, Car, what are you doing? You're putting it's like no I know you're singling yourself out, but I'm like, oh I'm gonna have Car and just eat ice cream with her and, you know, sit on the couch and that's what Alex wanted to do and she's like, No, go spend time with your fiance. And it's like, really, Cara, just don't make me cry. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was, I was pretty devastated by that uh, finale. Um, Which I think a lot of us in the fanverse were definitely very distraught over the whole situation. Yeah, and I know, I know there are a large portion of fans out there who, shall we say, do not care for Monel. Mm-hmm. Um, they are really mean about it. But I, I loved him. I, you know, he's had such a great uh, character arc. I mean, when he showed up, he was just like this douchey frat boy prince. And he grew through his relationship with Kara and became like this hero by the end. And uh, I don't think fans give him enough credit for that. And I loved the two of them together. I thought they were so sweet. And I was, I was really heartbroken when he ended no, I agree with you. I thought I was so happy when I saw the few episodes where they got to, you know, sit in bed, lay in bed together and all that yes. fun stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, Kara's happy. Don't ruin Kara's happiness. Just like the whole thing with Flash, with Barry and Iris. End of season, end of season three. They fucked it up for him, t- for them too. Everyone's like, we finally have our West Allen. And then all of a sudden, nope, yank. <laughs> Barry's got to pay for his fuck up. <laughs> But, you know, that's the one thing with TV. They know how to get our feels, and they know how to really hit us. So I will have to admit the same thing for me. Legends, I haven't watched all of it yet. I've only seen the few characters for the crossovers. Supergirl, I'd have to say between Flash and Supergirl are kind of like between my one and two. Like, they're kind of really battling between each other. And then definitely Arrow. I mean, yes, I really got into Arrow when it first came out because of season one, the whole Oliver and Ollie, Oliver and Tommy Verlin thing. I still remember the episode where I used part of the line that Tommy said where it was like, have, do you, have you realized how hot your sister's gone? Because I have not. <laughs> and the look of anger on Ollie's face was just perfect. Yeah. It was perfection. And what's funny is that Stephen Amell is just, I don't know. He's, he, I mean, he is perfection. And I know my friend Heather is like upset. Heather's actually obsessed with him, by the way. Like, and she actually got to meet him, I think, like for like a meet and greet or like a picture or something like that. And she says his voice is not as, like, low and deep as he has it on the show. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I just, I, when she told me that, I was like, wait, what? She goes, yeah, I was a little disappointing, but I don't care. He's still so pretty. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Stephen Amell is... like when you hear Misha 
Collins talk and you realize he doesn't have that low gravelly voice that he does for Castiel. Yes. Oh my god, yes. Oh my god, yes. And yes, people, this is a whole nother thing between Jaquel and I. We both love Supernatural. We have for many, many years with our whole love with Dean, Sam, Castiel, and Bobby, which I did get the pop figures, by the way. I'll have to take a picture. I've got my whole Super Who lock on my lower shelf down there. (laughs) Or should I say Super Who lock Boondock Saints X-Files? Well, no, because I've got, like, 10 and 11 and River. Of course, you know River is, like, she's my my muse. I love her to death. And then I've got um, John and Sherlock from BBC. And then on one side of it, I've got Sam and, or Castiel and Bobby, and then Sam and Dean. And then I've got my Mulder and Scully, my Connor and Murphy. And I did actually, I was kind of impressed with the live action that ScarJo and them did for Ghost in the Shell. I ended up getting Major, Bato, and the Gay Shabbat. It was like a special for like 30 bucks, and I was able to get the pop figures for that. What's really weird with her, though, with Major, she's like on a tippy, she's like tipped to the side. She's not like standing straight up. The way her her position on her disc has her leaning her whole body to the side, and I just think that's really weird, but... That is kind of weird. I I have a few that kind of lean, but I think those are more, like, product defects. They're See, I don't know, I don't know if this is, like, a product defect or what, but I'll have to take a picture and send it to you, because I'm looking at yeah. it, and I'm looking at it, and she's literally, like, sitting there with one foot up, and she's, like, all leaning to the side, and I'm like, really, Major? <laughs> really? But what I love, I will tell you the one quick thing with Major in that whole movie, they actually left the chief, letting him speak in full Japanese. Huh? Everyone else was talking in English, but he spoke in fluent Japanese. And that made it better, because he, you remember Chief Aramaki, he was just incredible in both the anime series and in the movie. And they picked a perfect Japanese actor to play Aramaki. So I was very impressed with how they did that. And what's really, uh, here's another little fun fact, Bato and Major, the actor who played Bato and then of course ScarJo, they also had a scene together in her movie Lucy. Okay, I never saw that one. If you get a chance to see Lucy, it's one of the first ones before she undergoes having to have the meta- the the drug put into her stomach. The mm-hmm. guy she's talking to with the cowboy hat, that's the guy who plays Bato. Okay. Because mom was watching it the one day, and I went and sat down, and I came across that scene, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, that's Bato. She's like, well, she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, nothing, never mind. <laughs> I'm like, you wouldn't understand. Carry that. on. Yes, carry on. Never mind. <laughs> so. If you had the choice to look at any of the you know DC characters, who would you like to see have their own personal show that we haven't seen on yet? Um, I would like to see uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. I would have to say the Gotham Sirens would be pretty perfect, and having and, uh, and having yeah. Catwoman too, having the three of them. I I agree. I think I heard that they're doing a Gotham City Sirens movie. Um, but I feel like a TV show would actually be a lot better uh, for that specific trio. Which I do agree with you on that, but I think the reason why they're looking at a movie instead of a show is if you think about with Birds of Prey, they tried doing that with a TV show, and it did kind of... Yeah, exactly. That's all I have to say. (laughs) It's so disappointing because I love Birds of Prey so much. Like, I mean, I talked about how much I liked Diana earlier, and... Just I love birds. That was those were the first DC comics I read were the Birds of Prey, and uh, then I found out that they'd done this TV show, and I got all excited, and then I watched it, and I was like, "What has just happened?" No, exactly, exactly. And the only pr- reason why I loved watching that show when I did 
was because I loved the actress who played Barbara Gordon, who played Oracle. Uh-huh. She was always a good actress, even in some of the worst movies she was in, a.k.a. Starship Troopers. But she was a very, very amazing... You know, she's she's a well-rounded actress, so she did a very good job playing Barbara. But, yeah, I just... I yeah, think that, even, the, even the best uh, actress in the world can only do so much if they're given... Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Which, I would like to swing this back around to Superman for a second. Okay. Because I would like to discuss the fact that Henry Cavill is an amazing actor. He is so charming. That is true. You look at his um, roles in Immortals, going all the way to The Man from Uncle. Yes, that's what I was, I was trying to remember the title of that one. And, like, he's so funny and he's so charming. And, like, he could bring so much life to Superman. And somehow in these movies, he is so dull and boring and angsty. And I'm like, how do you take an actor that has that much charisma and charm and and make him so bland? Well, Well, and the other thing that gets me too is you can think back to it now. I mean, I'm not, you know, again, I'm not anti-LGBT. We already know this. You and I both understand and accept everybody's living on how they do it. But... It just kills me with how they have this. Is, those movies are such a gritty movie, and now you look all over Tumblr and look all over like Live Journal and all the memes and the active GIF memes that are out there, and all it is is like Batfleck and Cavill. You know, you think of all the different shippy, you know, OTP lines that they're coming up for it. Like I literally watched one how they're talking about how big Batfleck was, and I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't want to be thinking of Cavill and Batfleck. No! Get that image out of my head. Yeah. But, no, I agree. People on the internet put some weird stuff together. Or as the, uh, or, and it just makes, it was really funny. It makes me think back to how Kevin Smith explained the internet in Jan Silent Bob Strikes Back. Which Batfleck actually was the one who described it as, you know, his oh, yeah. character from from Chase and Amy. So, <laughs> no, it's just like a whole big 360. Thank you, Kevin, by the way, for giving us that wonderful picture. Now that we get to reference it back now, how many years later? <laughs> but I digress. So, now that we've kind of gotten into this, now we're going to kind of shift it back towards the lightheartedness of it within Marvel. So, basically, we all, as you guys all know, we basically have gone through Phase 1, and Phase 2 is pretty much done. Now we're getting close to the end of Phase 3. Only because of the fact now, the way Phase 3 is looking, we've already been through Civil War, which, ugh, the feels in that movie, I just cannot get over it. <laughs> I, I can't even bring myself to watch the full movie again right now, because I know if Aww. I do, poor Ca- the poor Callie and me for my writing, she's just mm-hmm. gonna get so freaking angsty, because at the point right now, and I know you coming from a roleplay aspect too, I, you remember how I told you I, I created Callie. She's the granddaughter of Dum Dum Dugan. So of course you know she has her ties to the Holland Commandos, to Steve, to Bucky, and that whole situation. Right. But then she also is the surrogate little sister to Tony Stark. So she you knows her and Tony have a history. So once the whole Civil War situation happened, here she is, <laughs> split down the middle because she's got her ties to t- to you know Steve and them with what they're doing, and she's got her ties to Tony. She cannot choose between two of the biggest people in her life that is her family. So her family's being basically pulled apart again with her whole backstory that she's always had. It's, you know, it's just, it's feels for my poor little muse. Feels for her in that movie. But, you know, we've all, you know, have seen how Civil Wars kind of ended, and now with having Guardians 2, it was a definite lightheartedness. Now, a lot of people have been giving it flack because they're saying it's not, it wasn't as 
focused as the first Guardians was, but honestly, with Guardians, it's never been that really focused, except for when they did twist the end of the movie. Spoilers! Again, the fact that they had it so lighthearted to start with, but then they ended it on such a serious, somber note, which I will tell you this, I cried as, like I told you on the messenger the other night, I cried at that ending scene of Volume 2 as hard as I did when Han Solo was killed. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was, it was jarring for me, too, because I went in just expecting, like, a really funny, lighthearted movie, like, the first one. Mm -hmm. And then it hit me with all of these emotions, and I was just like, what are you trying to do to me? Exactly. And just, and I mean, the one line that will always stick with me, especially when he knew what was going on with, with Peter, when he's sitting there and he, and he comes back and says, and he's like, he may be your father, but he ain't your daddy. And I'm like, Yondu, Why? <laughs> and then, and then, of course, you know, he's freaking out after he puts the suit on him, and he's like, no, Peter's like, no, no, and then he just cups Peter's face in his hands, as light and as slow as it was with his body freezing to death in the void, just the the look in Yondu's face as he starts dying, and he's cradling Peter's face like a father would his son, it's just, I I lost it. I was so glad I was the only person in my row and that there was nobody there for that. Because otherwise, I would have probably sobbed out, out loud uncontrollably at that particular scene. Looking at yeah. Peter's face and looking at Yondu, and it's like, no, oh, Yondu! Yeah, and, and kudos to Michael Rooker for, for really making everybody feel that way. Oh no, I literally, I, I actually was trying to find Michael Rooker on Twitter because I wanted to go right on and say kudos to you, man, for being, for giving such an incredible feel and making me feel so much better and understanding more of Yandu's character and actually feeling and actually getting a better sense with him now in this one. Should we have had more time with Yandu? Yes. I don't like the fact that they killed him off in the second one, but, you know, I know it was something to help to make Peter be a little bit more grown up, I guess you could say, especially since the cutscene with him and Team Groot. Team Groot. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, now I know how Yondu felt. <laughs> Just the fact that he kind of came as a 316, he realized, dear God, I did this to Yondu. Yeah. <laughs> but, and... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how, if they do work on Volume 3, how they're going to play off the whole now Quill and Gamora. They didn't fully hint to it, Gamora didn't fully hint to it, but you could see the slow progression for somebody who doesn't share her feelings, share her feelings. <laughs> so, what was your take on how Gamora was kind of like hiding her emotions about the whole situation? Um, I kind of appreciated it just because, um, I don't always like for there to be, like, a big in-your-face romance, um, in all of my superhero movies. Like, it's cool. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy having it in, in certain movies, but there were, there were other things going on in this movie that I wanted to focus on, and so I was glad it was kind of pulled back and sort of not the central focus. No, I agree with you. I mean, I do think that they would make a good pairing because... She's so tight-fisted, and, you know, he's all happy-go-lucky, and he could help her to start lightening up just like he had been, but... Yeah, and, yeah, they definitely com complement each other well, um, but at the same time, like, their... I think their work is more important to both of them than relationships, and until they're in a place in their life where relationships are the most important thing to them, they should focus more on the jobs. No, agreed. And I do, and it's funny, they are the mother and the father of 
the Guardians, like the whole oh, family, absolutely. especially with the watching her on how she is with Baby Groot. Like, yes. <laughs> I love the part where she's fighting and she goes, Groot, get out of the way, you're going to get hurt. And he's just sitting there waving at her and she goes, hi. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she took this sweet voice. At least she did that in a sweet voice. She's waiting, she's saying hi to her baby. It's like, oh God, help me. <laughs> Everyone loves Baby Groot. He's the best. I think he was the epitome of the whole movie. He was just the one that tied everything together. Especially when Rocket and him were talking about the bomb, and he's like trying to get him to explain it. He goes, I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. And points at the death button. (laughs) But then he finally gets a sentient change when he's actually wanting to go push the death button, but then he stops and he realizes... And then you see his little baby finger move over and hit the right button for the five minutes. I'm just like, Groot, you finally grow up a little bit. Yay. I I will be sad to see Baby Groot go in volume three, though. I mean, I'm, I'm also looking forward to Teenage Groups or whatever they, they plan to go with in that. But man, Baby Groot is just freaking adorable. I could watch him for hours. He is very adorable, but honestly, I think the way they may even do it, if you think about it, because they did hint to Adam in the end in the in the credits with the with with the the I can't even talk right now, <laughs> but with the the group that they fought, the yeah. they she I couldn't I forgot that they are the ones that created Adam, and with the fact is my only question is now and it kind of hints to it is like how did she get the DNA because she said he was reckless, aka um, <laughs> Peter Quill. And it's just like, how on earth was she able to get it when she wanted to kick his ass and kill him? But then again, we'll have they'll probably hint to that later on. But you know, I don't know how he could. She would still have his celestial powers when he gave him up after he killed his dad. Which Kurt Russell, by the way, was incredible as ego. I was a little concerned on how they were actually going to play it out. Which it's not like the comics were supposed to be. Ego was supposed to be something completely different. But. They, I was kind of impressed with the bit of a twist that they did. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought they, they handled it really well. Um, and it was a it was a great way to play things out on screen and still um, pay tribute to the origins from the comics. Exactly. And Kurt Russell, I was very impressed with his role. And again, back to the whole CGI thing, they actually, I watched something on YouTube, how they explained that there was this guy who was who was the body stand-in and how they did the whole mask and kind of making him like younger and stuff like that i like i said they the way they're doing the whole cgi with making people younger i'm very impressed with it's crazy i mean that was like a throwback with the hair mixed of david hasselhoff versus kurt russell's <laughs> younger appearances from like big trouble in little china and all that yeah. kind of stuff i was just sitting here and i was like okay that's definitely a 1980s kurt russell how the hell <laughs> How the hell? Now, with the whole fact that we're still, that we're looking, as we stated, we're looking at the close of, you know, phase three as we come up to like 2019. So, but we still have some good blockbusters that are coming through now. We're basically going to have Black Panthers coming out, Ant-Man and the Wasp. So we'll finally get to see Evangeline Lily actually come through as Hank Pym's daughter, being able to be in the suit. She's going to be suited up for this one, which I think is going to be epic. Thor Ragnarok with how do you now here's my next question with that you've seen the trailers how do you feel about Thor with short hair um I kind of dig it I do uh I think it's sort of a necessary change like Thor's Thor's 
not the same guy he was in the beginning. He's grown a lot. He's matured a lot more, and uh, and I, I kind of like that sort of physical representation of, of how much he's changed. Kind of like cutting the... And I agree. It's like cutting, the, cutting his hair is like cutting off the immaturity that he had yeah. faced through a lot of his like episodes and stuff like that. Yeah, I 100% agree. Now, when you see now the thing that you have to admit though, when you look at the trailer and you see how the trailer was for Guardians Two, the music, the style of the the style of the font and everything like that, it seemed like it was a little too I don't know close for comfort, just with how they kind of like set up the trailers for the two movies, because it did have like that 70s rock and roll vibe for Thor Ragnarok, especially. Yeah, it it definitely did. Um. I, I don't think we have to... I mean, as far as the trailers go, they're they're just trailers. Um, I think the major differences in the movie will be pretty clear in there. There isn't going to be too much uh, blurred lines there. No, I have to admit, it's just I found it kind of ironic that, you know... They, but the thing that killed me is they actually had Thor breaking the fourth wall. Why did they have Thor breaking the fourth wall? Because <laughs> in the trailer, he's like, he's looking at the camera, and he's like, I know what you're thinking. And I'm like, no. No, Thor <laughs> does not break the fourth wall. Wade breaks yep, the fourth wall. Deadpool not was the only Thor. one to do that. <laughs> and speaking of Deadpool, they also are going to be doing a second uh, sequel to Deadpool, and did you know who's going to be playing Cable? Uh, I, they, I know they announced it, and I've completely forgotten it. <laughs> Okay, we'll just say that he's going to have two prominent roles now in the DCU universe, in the MCU universe. He is not only playing Cable, but he is also playing the key player in Infinity War. Josh Brolin. That's right. Ah, I, I <laughs> was floored to hear that Josh Brolin was chosen to play Cable. But in all great honesty, after watching the Deadpool video game where somebody played it through from the beginning to end, if they do the right type of makeup for Cable, it's gonna be a perfect. It's gonna be a perfect match. It's, yeah. It, Josh Brolin does have a lot of Cable esque traits. I could seriously yeah, see I him. I think he's got the acting chops to to bring that character to life. I mean, honestly, when I heard they were kind of hinting to doing, like, Dolph Lundgren or something like that, I'm like, no. No, no, that no that's He-Man. You, that's He-Man. You can't do it. You, no, <laughs> He-Man does not need to be Cable. But, you know, I have to admit, you know, like, you know, Josh has his definite acting. He definitely ha- holds his own on that. But it, you look at it, too, you think about it where even Chris Evans, he was Johnny Storm in the original Fantastic Four before they did the reboot, which I I don't understand the reboot of of, of F4. I just, I don't. <laughs> I know they were trying to reboot it to make it something different, but no. Just Fantastic Four was just kind of like, Ugh. but, I mean, we have him as Johnny Storm and Captain America. Freaking, I mean, you've seen him, even some of them cross-post, like, Ryan Reynolds as Boyd Wilson, and of course now his iconic role as Deadpool, which he, honestly, I'd much rather forget Hal Jordan focus just him as the Merc with a Mouth. That, that was the role he was born to play. Oh, absolutely. Now, so then, of course, have you seen the trailer for Black Panther? Yes, I have. What are your thoughts? I'm so excited for that movie. Oh, my gosh. I am, too, and that's what I wanted to find out your exact thoughts about that. What did you think when you first saw it? I literally saw it, and my mouth was just, my jaw dropped. I I was, like, totally heavy breathing. (laughs) I just, uh, I'm so thrilled. I mean, the cast 
holy crap, the cast is just phenomenal, and I cannot wait to see everything they do with those characters. I honestly, I'm pretty impressed too on the fact that, you know, they actually brought back Andy Serkis' character from Civil War and kind of placed him in there talking about talking about T'Challa. I just sat there and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, this is going to be pretty epic. I yeah. And Andy Serkis himself, you know, he's got such a wide range of acting. I just did not think they were going to bring back that rogue, disgusting-looking traitor. Which, honestly, he was a traitor, as they called him in the movie. And the whole fact that and when they first mentioned about Wakanda... And when Bruce was talking about it in Civil War or, or in Age of Ultron, they were talking about it, and when he and hearing Bruce trying to say Wakanda as Wakanada, I'm like, Bruce, no, <laughs> say it right. I was like, say it right. And then when he said Wakanda, and my, all of our ears, all us comic book geeks, were like, <gasps> Black Panther. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, and the actor who plays T'Challa, he is definitely the right pick for the role. He embodied yeah. the gracefulness and the powerhouseness of the Prince of Wakanda. Well, now King of Wakanda. <laughs> God rest his father's soul. But now, the, I think the biggest one that we're all looking forward to is next year with Infinity War. Yes. That is going to be the pinnacle of every tie-in Marvel movie out there. And I guarantee you the two steps in Infinity War will be what everybody thought that they were possibly going to have as the hype for Civil War. Everyone thought that, oh my god, they're going to kill Steve Rogers off in Civil War. Um, I think there's going to probably be some dust between Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity War Part 2, because then they're going to eventually get to the point where they start putting in, in Phase 4 with how the new Marvel comics are looking, with the way the new Iron Man is, the new Captain America, looking in terms of giving it the more cultural diverseness that they're doing in the comics. Right. Which, that's another question. What did you feel, how did you feel about how they kind of stepped it up to change the comics and giving us the new and improved Avengers team? Um, you know, I've, I really appreciate it. Um, I've really, over the last few years, tried to be a lot more aware, um, and, like, I, I, you know, when I watch things now, I'm always very aware if everybody's white. And that's something that, like, never never used to occur to me. It was just, it was normal to see, to see white faces, but now when I watch things, I'm, I'm very aware mm -hmm. um, when it's just white people. And that's always sort of disappointing. So I, I'm enjoying a lot more media that's a lot more inclusive of, you know, not just race, but religion and sexuality. And, you know, we're, we're a big mess of everything world and that should be reflected in media because there are all kinds of people out there who deserve to see themselves represented in these heroes oh and i and i agree with you it's just there's one big part of me that i've actually never shared this because of the fact that i've never really shared my political views as much of a christian as i am which i am a well-pronounced christian which is why my positivity i try to keep with this podcast focused as well and as long as i have i just know that with the fact with President Trump, I just, I just worry that eventually things are just going to end up getting reverted back, and that just, it saddens me. It truly you does. Know, I, in the beginning stages of the election, I, I had that same concern. Um, but everything I've seen since then, all the resistance movements and people speaking up and just not putting up for this bullshit, 
um, has really inspired me. And we're not we're not going to go backward. He's he's damn sure going to try. Um, and there are some really loud, obnoxious supporters um, who are going to back him up and make people think that you know maybe we're going to lose this crown that we've we've fought so hard for. But it's not going to happen. People are not going to go quietly, and we're going to keep fighting uh, until we have equality for everybody. And I and I'm right there with you about that. I just and I see a lot of it, especially Chris has always been a fourth runner, being the Captain America that he is. God love you, Chris Evans. But and just like watching, and especially when he all of his like ghosts in the closets are sneaking out. For a good example, that one person who they did the interview with, where he was being, where he was fired from Trump's like group. And they were asking him all the questions. They were going through the hearings. That was like the biggest trending thing on Twitter. And listening mm-hmm. to Chris talking about that, and he's like saying, "Come on, Trump, pick up your phone and tweet. You know you want to do it." <laughs> like he was taunting the president of the United States on Twitter. And I'm just sitting here, and I'm like, "Oh, Chris, you're just asking for trouble." And I'm like, "I love you for this." <laughs> it was just too much. So. So are we going to be, so our biggest thing is, is how hard is it going to be to say goodbye to a lot of our, lo- our favorites that we've seen in phases one through three at the end of Infinity War, no matter how they twist or change it? You know, it, it's always going to be hard to say goodbye to characters that we love and that we have, you know, grown attached to over all of these, all of these movies. But well, at the I- same time, if the stories are done well and the character arcs are completed, then I always feel, like, I'm sad, but I also feel okay about letting them go and embracing new characters, because then and that means I get to go on the ride all over again, and I get to connect with all these other amazing new characters, and feel all these other new feelings. Well, and the biggest, of the biggest verse that we've ever gone through with that is, of course, Doctor Who. Look at how many different Doctors we've had to go through within a number of years, and now 13 is hanging up his, is hanging up his sonic screwdriver and they're looking at getting another doctor i mean he's although not to interrupt you but like going back to our little diversity conversation a second ago Mm -hmm. i really wish dr who would kind of get on the train here like you've had pretty consistent white dudes for doctors forever like it's it's you know the doctor is an alien who he's supposed to be representative of all these different things and he's always British white guy. <laughs> like, no, and let's I, get a woman in there. Let's get a person of color in there. Let's get, you know. No, I agree with you. But if you also think about it, they have a lot of the biggest one. And here's a really funny thing. I don't know if you heard about this, but they were hinting when they actually showed a commercial in that was over in the UK, and they actually showed a, a quick scene. Somebody said that was a scene from Fox, the show Lucifer. Mm-hmm somebody was thinking that there was a possibility that the guy who plays Lucifer might be also another forerunner for the Doctor. Um, I haven't seen Lucifer, so I'm not even sure what the actor looks like. Well, I've seen, like, pictures of him because I know somebody who actually role-plays Lucifer, so he's good-looking. He's a white guy, yes, of course, but he's got that, like, tall, brooding sexiness about him. So I don't know if they're trying to get back into the whole, like, 
David Tennant, Matt Smith kind of a look. I don't know, maybe they feel like going back to that kind of a look might be the thing, because honestly, a lot of people were a little hesitant with the tenth, with the 13th Doctor, with Peter Capaldi. I yeah, wouldn't... I- I was kind of hesitant too when I first saw it, but then after I watched the Husbands of River Song, and the way they tied in her entire arc, it just it worked. Yeah, he he grew on people a lot more as as his run went on. Um, I've just pulled up this this actor. I honestly, I would be pretty disappointed if they didn't go with him because <laughs> it's more of the same. It's another white guy. Um, I. Like I said, I would love to see a person of color. I would especially love to see a woman of color um, as the doctor. Um, I agree with you. I mean, looking at the way Tom Ellis is, it's just kind of like, okay. But, you know... I mean, he's he's handsome, but it's not something we haven't seen before. Exactly. You know, he's he's basically a cross between, like, Matt Smith and David Tennant, is what it is. He's a definite 10-11 crossover. (laughs) But... You know, I and going back to where we started with Wonder Woman, like just the feeling of empowerment that women and little girls got from watching that movie, um, and getting to see that sort of representation in a big film like this. Like, can you imagine how powerful it would be for women if we got to see a female doctor after all these years? Oh well, and the funny thing is, is they actually hinted that she he could that the doctor could be just from Missy. Missy yeah. always hinted about it. And going over the with Mit and you know Missy aka the Master, those two have always had their long going rivals and everything else. I have to admit, I would be kind of impressed if the doctor became a female doctor and the master went back to being a male. That would also be kind of a unique twist because it was always either against each other or Missy and of course the doctor if we did it where the master and the doctor was a female and somebody even even said they would love to see Haley Haley Atwell aka Peggy Carter playing the um, role of the doctor she's one I would love uh the one that I have said from like the day I started watching Doctor Who is I would love to see Amanda Tapping as the doctor that is true I could honestly Uh, see that I think she would do such an amazing job as the doctor um I would just like (laughs) fall under the ground Well, and you also have to think about it, we may, you know, we're also going to be seeing a lot of new adventures with that too, because of the fact that Moffat's no longer in it. Yeah. Moffat has released his, has relinquished his crown as the all-knowing, tight-gripped owner of Doctor Who. So now we are not going to start seeing any episodes that keep saying directed by Stephen Moffat. So I'm a little intrigued to see how with the next season... And, of course, with whoever the Doctor is, yes, we all want to see our different ones, but regardless, it's still the Doctor, and, of course, we're going to still love him. But at the same time, it's just going to be like, I want to see what kind of episodes may come out of it that are not directed by Steven. Because- yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I've sort of lost my fondness for Stephen Moffat over the years. I used to adore him. Um, he did this uh, comedy series back in the day with his wife called Coupling that mm-hmm. is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Um, so I was super excited when he took over um, Doctor Who. And I enjoyed it for a time, but then I felt like he wasn't... I don't know. He, he was sort of stale. And he wasn't doing as much with the characters as I thought he could. Um, so I'm, I'm honestly, I'm kind of pleased that he's leaving the series and that someone else is going to get to take the reins. And hopefully we will get uh, kind of 
breath of fresh air. No, I agree with you. It's going to be nice to kind of see a difference, but at the same time, we'll still have our few like wonderful, wonderful episodes that we've always loved for the last however many years. I think my biggest, my favorite episodes, if I have to look at it, would be the time ones with River going between the ones in the Silence in the Library with 10, all the episodes that she took part in with 11, which was her main love, her main husband. Right. And then, of course, tying it into the Husbands of River Song, you just, her, the whole River Song arc for me just was perfect. It worked out so be- so beautifully. Because it went from seeing, you could see where it first started with, her, you know, Amy and all of them building up. And then, of course, it would then tie in towards the end of it when you finally see her with the doctor and their last night under Rillium being 24 years. <laughs> and then the best line ever is where she's just like, I hate crying. And she's like, I hate you. And he's like, no, you don't. And I just, <laughs> I love how even in Capaldi's face, you could still see the playfulness of her husband buried beneath that doctor and like was right there with it and then of course she no it then tied back into silence in the library where she sacrificed herself for him at that point when he didn't even know her so you know i just being able to see the pain in her eyes knowing that her husband doesn't remember who she is but you know yeah i i do agree i think the river song art was done really well um but there were a lot of others that i felt were kind of stagnant that is true you know i will admit there was a lot that were stagnant but if i now honestly the we we both know the river the river arc was perfect the other episode that i absolutely loved that just hit my heart was the tardis when she goes into her in idris when she becomes a a human the doctor's wife that will has to be one of my all-time favorite episodes hands down because that was a great one because that one you will always feel the the which I mean as you saw I have the deviant art picture on my main page on my Facebook, that was always like my favorite because the doc because Idris as the TARDIS has known the Doctor all his life, yep. and she knows him better than anyone but she can't actually speak to him until that role, and I I honestly I still remember the article I wrote about that episode that I had given to one of the podcasts that did it for Doctor Who. He actually, they actually posted all of my bits for Doctor Who, and I'd have to go back and look for it to see if I could find it, because they actually still do have my blogs, po- those my my articles posted on there. They actually mm-hmm. gave me my own section. It was called the Female View of Doctor Who. Aww. So that was like my first blogging, like for this kind of like a podcast sense before I started doing my own. So yeah. I thought that was pretty epic, and I think it might still be there, and I might have to do it to share it. But yeah, of course. Oh, wow, we actually have covered quite a bit of topics going from everything. I mean, we literally have had this going for over an hour now. So this is going to be one of our longest just back and forth episodes. We, listen, when you contacted me and said we're going to talk fandom, you had to know it was going to end it. Oh, yes, definitely. No, definitely. And I think this is what everybody's (laughs) going to love because this is going to be our first back and forth that nobody's been able to... Not everyone knows that with just one person, it gets kind of like, oh, this person's just rambling to themselves. But when you get to hear the back and forth topics that everybody does, it it, it gives so much more. You get to see both sides of it. Yes. 
And we'll definitely have to do this again. I mean, it's completely up to you. It sounds like you've enjoyed it. It, I feel like you've enjoyed yourself with this. And I've definitely enjoyed having having you on here. So everybody will get to hear our wonderful discussions on comics and Doctor Who and everything else in between. But guys, we do want to thank you so much for taking part in this episode and listening to this wonderful spot of the Positive Randomosity podcast. Thanks so much to Jaquel, our special guest star who decided to come on and help us with this today and guys don't forget everybody feels that they're alone at times but you're not so many people out there love you and I know we can definitely say that we do I hope you guys have a great night and we will see you on the flip side take care you guys